Tomorrow, September 11th, it's a big day. It marks 20 years since the world changed. I don't think that's an overstatement. The 9-11 attacks in the U.S. changed a lot of things. So many of us are going to be thinking about that day. We already are. And the memories really keep flooding back about where we were, what we saw, how we felt. Uh, the, the, some of the images, uh, for me, one of the, the, the fascinating ones in the moment was, was watching Rudy Giuliani, uh, uh, the mayor of New York City, and ended up becoming considered America's mayor for his role that day and in the days to come, uh, seeing him walking through the streets of New York and speaking live on TV. Police and the fire need all of the room and all of the space possible to try to evacuate the people at the World Trade Center. This is a terrible tragedy. The best way we're going to get through this is if we remain calm and just listen to everyone, not to panic. In that clip, he's holding a microphone from New York One Television. My old friend Pat Kiernan was broadcasting that morning. And uh, there was a moment where we were watching one tower burn and then this. Without jumping to too many conclusions, looking at the extent of this damage and uh, knowing how well populated that building is. At that, oh, now there's another explosion down to the left side on the second World Trade Center tower. You see that, uh, that huge ball of fire that just went up there. I know it's, a, it's quite a distant shot, but that looked to me to be happening at number two World Trade Center, at the second World Trade Center tower. Pat ended up being on the air for some 15 hours that day. He's joining us here live on 630 Ched Mornings. Good morning, Pat. Thanks so much for taking some time for us. And, Daryl, that was the moment when I went from, from some sort of innocent view of maybe there was an accident at the World Trade Center to maybe fully understanding in that moment that this was deliberate and we didn't know that it was going to end, that, that there could be one plane crashing accidentally, but to, to witness yourself that fireball when a second plane crashed, clearly that was what changed the paradigm and, and, as you referred to, changed the course of history for the 20 years that have gone by since then. Yeah, and on that morning, I know that you asked for a re, you know, to recue that, that bit of video, and in that, even that was, a, that was sort of a weather shot that you would have used, and it was, it was quite a distance, but you could clearly see the two towers, and then on the right side of the screen, you could see the plane coming toward. And it, but you really were, in that moment, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah, and we didn't have all the benefits that we have now of everybody with a camera at every location tweeting about what's happening, sending video instantly, even though we were just a few miles away, our studio compared to lower Manhattan, you were relying on just a very few resources, and one of them happened to be we had this camera shot in the Empire State Building. Uh, It didn't even have robot control on it. It was a locked camera that gave you a beauty shot of lower Manhattan and the harbor, but it had that view of the World Trade Center, and, and really that was how we initially told this story to the people of New York and, and the entire city just before 9 o'clock that day just stood in disbelief in front of their TVs. Uh, take me back to that morning a little bit. It was supposed to be, There was supposed to be something else on the, on the horizon. There was a primary or something like that in New York, and all of that went completely out the window. Just uh, as best you can, so what your memories are of that morning and how things sort of played out? Well, it was primary election day, so we were we had people at polling places making sure that the polls opened on time, and you know how those things go. It's a pretty routine structure of what happens at the beginning on election day, what happens at the end mm-hmm. on election day. But then somebody from the assignment desk came around the corner in the commercial break at about 8.48 that morning and, and said, uh, there's some smoke at the World Trade Center. We're, we're going to try to get a shot. So we came back from that commercial break, uh, you know, 8.51 or something like that, 
and New York One didn't take another commercial break for three weeks. We, it was it was continuous on air reporting. I had already been on the desk for about five hours. I stayed until about seven p.m. that night. Went home and slept a few hours, and then was back at at two a.m. to pick up from the the night anchors. So, and and I, I'm not trying to put this through the lens of of us as journalists. We get paid to do what we no, do. No, but that's but, your experience of that day. So, yeah, and there and at the, the entire time, there's this frantic activity with police officers and firefighters and ultimately construction crews trying to assess what was happening, moving debris as quickly as they could. And, and to get a, a sense of the toll in lower Manhattan. And every time you thought about it, you realized just how high those numbers were climbing. Well, and you know, when you're covering something, and there was nothing like that to cover live, I don't think uh, ever in that sort of a, of a moment. But when you're covering that, you, you're trying to, to, to walk a balance between dealing with your own shock, but not uh, coming off as being overly emotional on the air. You seem to walk that. How hard was that to, to try to stay focused and centralized and not be a, a voice of panic, but to be a voice of calm and just trying to deal with the facts of the moment? Well, I'll give you two things that you can, can relate from your experience. One is that it's part of the job that you you separate yourself and just deliver the information because you're the conduit that everybody else is, is is depending on. But the second is that most often when you're in that situation, it's not your world that's affected. It's a you're covering a tornado and you're covering the 50 people who are affected by the tornado, or you're covering the, the fire in, in Fort McMurray and you're covering the the tens of thousands of people affected by that fire. But it's not you, uh, and and while I didn't have anybody at the World Trade Center, you know, this this was my city. The subways were shut down. The city was under attack. So there was that personal aspect. I think I kept that out mostly until I got home at night and saw that smoke still rising over the city, and I could see it out my my kitchen window. And then you know now now that's invaded your home, and and you know, that's when. That's when I sat down and had my moment that wasn't yeah. ready for television. Yeah, well, f- fair enough and understandable as well. So let's uh, fast forward uh, through the years now because each year, that first anniversary was was obviously a major milestone. Five years, 10 years, 15, 20. Uh, is there any way to try and, and and explain what the feeling is in New York? And I know it's a massive city with with millions of people, but is there a general feeling as we head to this 20th anniversary? Because to me, this is, a, this is a pretty major milestone. We, we are certainly marking this as a milestone. We, in the media and we in society, like a milestone. You celebrate a 20th anniversary more than you celebrate a 17th anniversary. Uh, but... I wonder whether this is the last big one. Uh, and and by, by that, I mean, we now have an entire generation that was not alive on September 11, 2001. My daughter, uh, Dawn was pregnant when the terrorist attack happened. So my daughter's 19. She only knows of September 11 from what we've told her about it. Uh, the key politicians, Rudy Giuliani, George Pataki, who was governor at the time, uh, Mike Bloomberg had just become mayor. The, you know, they're getting older. And, and I, I wonder, on the 30th anniversary or the 40th anniversary, do you have the same connection to these attacks? doesn't mean that we'll forget, but I think the attacks will be remembered in a different way, in a different context, as we march 10, 20, 30 years from now. 
I know we uh, we pulled you out of an editorial meeting on the 9-11 coverage. Uh, what is thank planned you. for for this weekend? And thank you for stepping out to, to chat with us for a little bit. What is planned for this weekend? Is it any different than the, the previous milestone years, uh, previous anniversaries? Uh, it's largely largely the same. The, uh, the, the key component of the memorial in New York City is that they read all 3,000 names of the victims, and that's a, a time-consuming process, but they want to do it out of respect for, for all of them. So that can take nearly four hours to go through all 3,000 of those names. From the perspective of our television station at New York One, we, we more than we have in other recent years, are digging back into the archives. It, it's, we're, we're making it clear to people, if, you don't, if you're not comfortable reliving this, you don't want to watch this hour of television that we're about to present, but we have such uh, a library of coverage, and I think an important way to tell the story is to show people what happened in real time, so that's what we've been focusing a lot on and uh, what we're putting the finishing touches on with the team. And that's something that we haven't seen an awful lot of. We see still pictures often now. Uh, we we haven't seen the video of the planes going into into the tower. And understandably, because that triggers some people. You don't want to be seeing that over and over and over again. But I still think it's important to see it, to relive those moments and recognize what happened and not to just wash over it. Yeah, and when we don't, you know, we don't use it if we're doing an update on some political aspect of the rebuilding at the World Trade Center. We don't use the, the moment that the plane hit the building. Uh, we we try to reserve that for the moments when it has the most relevance and the most impact. But 20 years later, on September 11th, it's one of those moments. And um, I think there are some people who want to be transported back there to learn and remember a tragic day in New York City. Uh, is is there something more uh, because of what has happened in Afghanistan? Uh, because the whole situation in Afghanistan was, came out of 9-11 clearly, to try and, and, and shut down Osama bin Laden, etc. With with U.S. troops and all the rest of the troops finally pulled out, the Taliban taking over again, does that add a different layer uh, to this anniversary than what we have seen yeah. before? I think if you're linking a story to this, it's more the pandemic. Uh, and it's more the polarization of politics in America. Uh, on September 11, 2001, everybody came together. Uh, the entire country came together. They stood as one. There wasn't this left versus right that is so toxic in American politics. And I don't know that that would happen the same way today. It certainly hasn't happened in the pandemic, which ultimately has killed more people than September 11th did. Everything about the pandemic is left, right? I'm not wearing a mask. You, you can't make me wear a mask. Uh, I think I think that's the story that is being linked to this one, that... Uh, that we were in a better place in terms of our ability to come together as a community 20 years ago. Uh, it's interesting, some of the things you said. Maybe there is some comfort in this world of pandemic that this same argument, and uh, you know, we're, we're not alone. You're not the only ones who have the people yelling on both sides. We have it here in Alberta. They have it in Ontario, in BC, in other parts of the state. So uh, maybe we are coming together sometimes just for the wrong reason. Hey, Pat. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's ludicrous. There are times for opposition, but there are, there are times that we need to sit down and speak to each other and figure out what the best thing is. I, and I, I, I thought Canada was better than that, than the U.S., but maybe not, though. <laughs>
<laughs> well, well you, you cast a shadow down there in the excited states of America. I don't know if you've noticed or not. Uh, so just on a personal level, just because I, I have another minute before I let you go back to your editorial meeting. You don't want to go to work here at the moment anyway. You just want to chat with an old friend. Uh, is it still surreal to you uh, where you are at? Uh, what is it? It's in 97 uh, that you were in New York starting that job? Yeah, you and I worked together in the newsroom in Edmonton. I yeah, absolutely. Well, we worked together. Know what it would amount to? I didn't know that I'd end up in a Spider-Man movie as the <laughs> newscaster and all, all, all those things. And I, I honestly, when you look at September 11th, it doesn't seem to me like I'm old enough that this could have happened 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's but just because you're eternally youthful, and there's a portrait in a closet somewhere, slowly decaying, uh, because you continue <laughs> to roll along. Pat, you, uh, you're always so good because you, you worked at ITV Global, you worked at C- CFRN, you have great. Uh, Great connections back to, to Edmonton, and you never forget about us, and I really appreciate your time again this morning. So always a pleasure to turn on, Chad. I was just listening to Randy Kilburn and his news updates, some familiar voices there. So call anytime, Daryl. Thank you. Okay, well, I'll call you, I'll call you on Monday then. <laughs> <laughs> just a heads up. Thanks, Pat. Thank you. Pat Kiernan, uh, morning anchor at New York One, has been for uh, well, more than two decades, and certainly Two decades ago, if you go on and, and you search and go, you look for Pat Kiernan's name, K-I-E-R-N-A-N, and, uh, and, and 9-11, you can hear uh, some of, of what he did on that, on that morning. And like I said, just kept it down the middle. I'd always heard, uh, especially when I was anchoring and, and, and if there was any kind of a, a disaster, your job was to stay calm, give information, and even, even in those moments be a soothing voice that uh, it's being handled or we're watching it and not to, to, to feed those flames of panic. Pat Kiernan did that in spades on that day for 15 straight hours in New York. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.